Our message is going to focus on verse 18 to 25 of Matthew chapter 1. If you are joining us here for the first time, here at Southside Bible Fellowship, we believe that since the Bible is God's word, and that we are God's children, please say it with me, the Bible is God's word for us. Father, we come before you acknowledging your presence, knowing, Lord, that your word does not return to you void, that, Lord, you must accomplish what you intend to accomplish through it. We pray that you may open our eyes and our ears to hear, and that you may give us the heart to respond in a way that will glorify you. We pray that you may speak to us and enable us to comprehend the truth of your word in a way that makes us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew Taylor's his gospel in a way that displays the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. We are in Matthew chapter 1 from verse 18. Begins by saying, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. So Matthew is letting us know that this Jesus who was born is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God, the one that God had promised that he would come. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. In this culture, a girl will be engaged at an early age. But they would not be allowed to stay together or even relate sexually until after the marriage ceremony. But Mary is already engaged here and therefore, Joseph is considered her husband, even though, even though they are not staying together and they are not relating sexually with one another. She was pledged to be married to Joseph, but... Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So there's a problem here. There's a problem in this relationship. This is the conflict of the story. A good story always has a conflict. This is the conflict. This is where the tension is. Joseph... A faithful man is pledged to marry this sweet, beautiful young lady who is supposed to be a virgin, but 
she's pregnant. So Joseph discovers, and like any man, he feels betrayed. There is a sense of discouragement, disappointment, because the love of her life is pregnant. Joseph knows that he is not responsible for Mary's pregnancy. So what does he do? We are told, and Matthew wants us to know that this pregnancy is through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Other versions of the Bible says he was a righteous man. A man that wants to do what is right. He was a God-fearing man. Because he's faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her, to expose Mary to public disgrace. Because they are engaged, to break the engagement, he will have to divorce her. And because she's pregnant, if Joseph decides to publicize her, she would be stoned to death. That's the punishment that she deserves. Because as far as Joseph is concerned, Mary has been unfaithful. But because he's a righteous man, because he follows the law, because he's a God-fearing man, Joseph decides to divorce her quietly. Even though he feels the pain of betrayal, he still wants to be nice to her. This is not what some Christians would do. There is something about Joseph here in his response that we should learn. See, Christians are usually very quick to publicize other people's sins. We do that because it makes us feel good about ourselves. Especially when we feel we are the ones who are right, we are so quick to talk about others and how sinful they are. Joseph decides, I'm going to do it quietly. I'm going to spare her public disgrace. It reveals the kind of person Joseph is. A young man who despite all the emotions wants to do what is right. So, we are told he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. So God quickly intervenes. God is aware of all that is happening and he intervenes through an angel in a dream. He tells Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So God intervenes to tell Joseph that this pregnancy is my doing. This is my work here. So don't be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary as your wife. She hasn't been unfaithful to you. I am the one who is working here. And by taking her, you will be joining me in what I am doing. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. God, knowing Joseph's plans, knowing that Joseph has made up his mind to divorce Mary quietly, he intervenes in Joseph's life to reveal his plan and to invite Joseph to adjust to his will. He intervenes in Joseph's life to reveal his plan and to invite Joseph to adjust to his will. The Lord wants Joseph to change his mind from divorcing Mary into taking her as his wife. God, in other words, is saying to Joseph, it is my will that you take Mary as your wife. Your plan is to divorce her, but my will is that you take her as your wife. Joseph will have to adjust to God. But for him to adjust to God, he will have to believe God. The message from the angel is clear. It says Mary will give birth to a son and the son will be called Jesus, which means Yahweh is salvation or the Lord saves. And this son has a ministry, we are told, he will save his people from their sins. So God has a plan here. And his will is that Joseph may be part of that plan. And for Joseph to be part of that plan, he will have to take Mary as his wife, knowing that her pregnancy is not his responsibility. God wants Joseph 
to play the role of Jesus' earthly father. And this is what makes Jesus also the son of David. What do we learn here in God's intervention, God's response to Joseph? One, we learn that God knows our plans. There is nothing that you decide to do. There is nothing that we plan to do that God doesn't know about. He knows all our plans. Number two, when God reveals his plans to us, that revelation is our invitation to adjust to his will. When God shows you what he is planning to do, he is showing you so that you can join him. So that you can move from your plans to God's plans. It's not an easy thing for us to do. Most of us make plans and then we ask God to bless our plans. We want God to adjust to us. God is saying, no, 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 no. You are the one who is going to adjust to me. Most of us approach God with our own prescriptions. God says, you are going to abide to my prescription. Joseph's plan is to divorce. God's plan is for him to take Mary as his wife. Look at verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Isaiah Chapter 7, verse 14. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. In Psalm 130, verse 7 and 8. Israel, put your hope in the Lord for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He will redeem Israel from their sin. Matthew wants us to know that what is happening 
was already prophesied. What is happening is a fulfillment of the prophecies. Verse 24. The Lord has appeared to Joseph. He has told him his plan. He wants Joseph to adjust to his will. What does Joseph do? Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he began to pray. Does your Bible say that? Isn't this what we do? We ask God to show us the way. He shows us the way. And then instead of following it, we begin to pray. We know where God wants us to go. We know what God wants us to do. And then, but instead of doing it, we begin to pray. We use prayer as an excuse to obey God. I'm praying about it. Instead of doing it, Joseph wakes up. He doesn't pray. We are told he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife. He obeyed. And it's interesting, it says what the Lord commanded him. Because when God speaks to us, he does not give us suggestions. When he says, choose life that you may live, he is not giving you a suggestion. He is commanding you. That means if you don't choose life, you are disobeying him. When he says that whosoever believes in Jesus will be saved, <laughs> no, I thought the Lord was speaking. <laughs> I was ready to listen. <laughs> when the Lord says, whosoever believes in Jesus will be saved, whosoever will not believe in him will perish, God is not giving us a choice. He's saying, if you're not going to make this decision, if you're not going to follow this way, if you're not going to abide to this truth, you are disobeying me. A word that comes from someone in authority is not a suggestion.
This is what our children need to understand, right? Because I realize with, with uh, my children, sometimes I speak to them in a nice way. I would say, Wilji, do you want to take the trashes out, the trash out? And he thinks that I'm asking him if he wants. <laughs> and sometimes he would say, no, I don't feel like... So I have to change my statement. Wilji, take the trash out. When you understand authority, you will realize that the word that is spoken to you from a position of authority is not a suggestion. God is not saying that you can decide to follow Jesus or not. He is saying you must follow Jesus. He did not tell Nicodemus, you can be born again if you want. He said, you must be born again. Joseph obeys what the Lord tells him. He adjusts his will to God's will. By taking Mary as his wife, obedience is doing God's will. Obedience is doing what the Lord asks us to do. And sometimes, at times, what he asks us to do will not be pleasing to us, will not be comfortable to us, will not be fashionable. Sometimes he asks us to do things that we don't want to do. Like who wants to love his or her enemies? And yet God asks us to do that. Who wants to forgive people that have hurt her badly? Who wants to forgive someone that has betrayed him? And yet God asks us to forgive. Obedience is doing God's will. I think the message here is, is a simple message. I think it's the message that we don't hear so much about and we don't even focus on. The message here is the Lord is inviting us to adjust to his will. Every time we follow Jesus, adjustments take place. For that person who does not know the Lord, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, God is calling you, inviting you to adjust 
to his will, the first step of adjustments begins with repentance. Turning to God. Turning from your lifestyle to his lifestyle. Why? Why does the Lord invite us to adjust to his will? I'm glad you asked. I'll give you three points here. Number one, because the Lord is not reluctant to do a new thing in our lives. Because he is not reluctant to do a new thing in our lives. The reason he keeps on expecting us to adjust to him, it's because there is more and more that he is willing to do in our lives. He knows that there are areas in our lives that still need to be transformed. He knows that some of us are still struggling with bitterness. Some of us are still struggling with unforgiveness. Some of us are still struggling with a lot of issues. And he wants us to adjust to him because he's willing to do a new thing in our lives. Number two, why does the Lord invite us to adjust to his will because he wants us to allow his spirit to interrupt our plans. This is what he is doing in Joseph's life. He is interrupting Joseph's plans. And God wants us to be open to his spirit so that he can interrupt our plans anytime he wants to. Some of us are so rigid in our plans, in our ways, that we expect God to adjust to us. God is saying, if you, you know me, if we know him, if we understand the kind of God he is, then we would open to him. We would let him interrupt our lifestyles anytime he wants. We have people today who call themselves Christians and yet They are so rigid in their ways. What if Joseph had decided not to obey the Lord? Some of us will fail to join God in what he is doing because we are so caught up in our ways. Because we are not willing to let his spirit interrupt us. Because God to us is an item in our schedule. 
It's a box that we check. He is not the plan. He is part of the plan. Joseph allows God to interrupt his plans. Number three. Why does the Lord invite us to adjust to his will? Because he wants us to join him in what he is already doing. This is what is happening again to Joseph when God tells him, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. God was already doing something. And he wanted Joseph to join him. When he appeared to Moses in a burning bush, God said he had come down to rescue his people. He was inviting Moses to be involved. It is God who was doing the rescuing, but he wanted to use Moses. If there's anything that you may need to pray about is that you may have the heart to allow God to interrupt your plans. Some of us like asking this question, what is God's will for my life? How many of us, I'm going to help you right now. How many of us are asking that question? What is God's will for my wife? Uh, not for my wife. So. <laughs> for my life. <laughs> well, maybe there are some who are asking that. <laughs> What is God's will for my life? I, if there is one question that I've had Christians ask so much, it is that one. And when you hear people ask that question, it kind of shows you, they, they're kind of expressing the idea that what they desire to do is God's will. That they want to follow the Lord. They want to obey him. They want to do what he wants them to do. So they keep asking, what is his will for my life? Where can I find it? Well, thank you for asking. Like I said, the first step of adjusting to God's will is repentance. First, turning to God, realizing that you are a sinner, that you are helpless and hopeless, and turning to Christ for forgiveness and salvation. That's the first step. If you are not saved, if you are saved, And for, for those people who may be here and they're not saved, 2 Peter 3.9 says, it is God's will that no one should perish. First Timothy 2.4 says, it is God's will 
that all people may be saved. The first step of adjusting to God's will is repentance. For those of us that are saved, here is God's will for you. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 tells us, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, right? You can read it yourself. Of course, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be renewed, be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may know God's will. It is God's will that we should not let the world squeeze us into its mold. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. A Christian is like a fish in the ocean. The ocean is salty, but the fish is never salty. We don't let, and we should not let the world squeeze us into its mold. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It is God's will that we may live a Christ-centered life. Jesus said we must take our cross daily and follow him. It is his will that we live a Christ-centered life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It is God's will that we may be sanctified and abstain from sexual immorality. It is God's will that we may be sanctified, set apart for him, and abstain from sexual immorality. I didn't know how pornography was a big deal until I came to America. That's when I realized it's almost a disease. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. This is a good one. It is God's will that we give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances. A Christian does not give thanks because what is happening to someone else is not happening to him or to her. That is a wrong attitude. Even my son agrees with me. <laughs> we don't give thanks because I was complaining to God that I didn't have shoes until I saw someone without legs. No. We don't give thanks because today I woke up feeling much better than I did yesterday. It's okay to give thanks, but that's not the reason we give thanks. A Christian should be able to give thanks even when the, his world or her world is falling apart. 
A Christian gives thanks when he or she is in pain. A Christian gives thanks in all circumstances. You know why? Because it doesn't matter what we are going through. It doesn't matter what we are facing. Our God remains in control and that's a reason enough to give thanks. Because if he is in control, then he is able to make all things work together for our good and for his glory. That means, regardless of what is happening in my life, God can still be glorified. And that is enough for me to say, thank you, God. For those of you who are clapping and I interrupted you, uh, thank you. This idea, I, I saw someone who was so sick and I thanked God. Okay, what if it happens to you the next day or the next month? Will you still thank God? Because when you do that, you are saying, if it were me, I wouldn't thank God. And we are in this fallen world, we will face almost all the challenges other people face. And God knows that, and he tells us that in all situations, give thanks. That is my will. Every time you give thanks when you are facing a difficulty, you are acknowledging that your God is in control. That's what you are saying. Stop saying, I can't complain. Yes, you can complain. You may choose not to complain, but that's not because you can't complain. These are choices that we make daily as we follow Jesus Christ. What is God's will for your life? What was God's will for Joseph? God's will for Joseph was to take Mary as his wife. The question that we should be asking is this. It's not what is God's will for my, for my life, but what is God's will. End there. If, if and when you find God's will, you will find the part that you need to play in his will. The part that you play in God's will is God's will for your life. Is that confusing? God was already coming down in the person of Jesus Christ, using Mary as a surrogate mother for Jesus. This, that was God's will. He was coming to save his people. And then he reveals his will to Joseph 
And he tells Joseph, there is a part for you to play here. Joseph was adjusting to God's will. It wasn't God who was adjusting to Joseph's will. For those of us that have been asking what is God's will for my, 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 my life, you need to ask yourself, what is God's will? What is it that God is doing? And once you find out what he is doing, you will find your place there. You will always find your place there. Because every time God reveals what he is doing, he is inviting you to adjust to his will. The forgotten message of Christmas is that God has come down to invite each one of us to adjust to his will. And when we realize that, as we celebrate this Christmas, as we enjoy the fellowship with friends and family, we will also remember that God is inviting us to adjust to his will. And every Christian has a part to play in God's will. Father, I want to thank you for your love and for your faithfulness. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises and for opportunities like this that you give us to know you more, to become more like you so that we can obey you, so that we can be the children of light shining in this world for your glory. But Father, you also know that we, we are facing some challenges in our lives. And some of us are still struggling with questions and there are issues that we still need help with. We pray, God, that you may intervene. As you intervened in Joseph's lives, we pray that you may intervene and if, Lord, if you want to interrupt our plans so that we can adjust to your will, do so, Lord. As far as I'm concerned, my answer is yes. In fact, Father, if we have asked you something and you have something else for us, Please, Lord, cancel our request and let your will be done. Because our desire is to bring glory to you. Our desire is to do your will. So that in us, you may be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen.